What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Buffer Overflow podcast, where we talk, tackle, and dissect all sorts of topics about software engineering, its culture, and how we do it in a remote company of about 100 people here at Buffer. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. We have with us a very special guest, and we're going to cover all sorts of things like how do you move to engineering from another discipline? How do you teach yourself? What does that journey look like? So today, I am pleased to have not only our co-host, Joe, with me, but also Mick. Mick, how are you doing? Why don't you give us a hello and quick introduction of who you are? Hi, Jordan. Hi, Joe. Uh, thanks for the intro. Um, I'm Mick. I'm a software engineer at Buffer based in Ireland. Um, I guess one of the reasons I'm on here today is that I didn't start out as a software engineer at Buffer. Um, I started out in a different team. Uh, excited to be on the podcast and get to chat a little bit more. Awesome, awesome. And uh, before we buzz right past our awesome co-host, Joe, how are you doing today? Good, I'm, I'm great, thank you. I'm great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't, can't leave you out there on the intro. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, cool. So, you know, Mick, what we're going to do today, as I mentioned before, is we're going to kind of focus on your journey of how you started in more of an advocacy role in Buffer and shifted over more into a technical engineering role. So to kind of kick things off, we're going to just kind of start at the beginning of how you joined Buffer. Um, so when did you start at Buffer and what were you originally hired to do at Buffer? Yeah, I'd love to chat about that. Um, so I started at Buffer in January 2016, so about five and a half years now. And uh, does not feel like that. It feels like yesterday even still. Um, I started off in our customer support team, so what is now our advocacy team, what was then called our happiness team, which was an awesome name. I was a happiness hero, which was just the greatest job title I ever had. Um, I've always loved that. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I originally applied for Buffer actually six months before that uh, for a marketing role, so <laughs> I've never been one to stick to uh, a specific discipline. But yeah, I started out in customer support at uh, five and a half years ago. Um, joining with not much support experience, so it, it felt like a miraculous um, achievement to even get um, to, to join this, this amazing team at that stage. Yeah, you know, and, and this is why I love these stories, because you hear this a lot about Buffer, is I started doing this, and now I do that. Um, and sometimes the connection between the two isn't very obvious or they're very far apart. Uh, and this is even more interesting to me, because I completely forgot until just now that you did marketing at Buffer. And not not quite at Buffer. Uh, when I want when I joined, I did want to to join in a marketing role, and I think I've definitely early on like um, been involved in I guess like the marketing channels and and um, yeah, just sort of kind of lurking in the Slack channels, participating in conversations, which I still tend to do on a lot of other channels. Um, but yeah, when I was hired, it was very much kind of more in the support role. But I, I was never one to be confined to within a certain area. Like I, I loved exploring. I loved learning about what other teams were doing and just kind of gaining as much context about Buffer and the industry as I could. Yes, absolutely. And and that kind of cross-discipline always comes in handy in a remote setting for sure. So, okay, if we fast forward to today, now what is your job title and what do you do? Um, so now I'm a software engineer uh, for... Um, our internal tools team, although I think we're renaming that because our scope is broadening. So I guess we're going to cover like integrations and then um, some stuff with our API as well. But yeah, I'm kind of primarily focused on on building uh, tools that our teammates at Buffer would use to kind of in, enhance their everyday experience of working at Buffer. Hmm. Did you, so that is that quite different from what you originally started doing when you when you started doing engineering? 
um, those are tasks and, and responsibilities? A little bit. I still do a lot of what I did back then. I think um, just the role and the responsibilities have grown quite a little bit over time that uh, we sort of just taking on a little bit kind of more scope as a team. So we do a little bit of customer facing stuff too. And sort of with a view to like, let's say supporting our product marketers to communicate better with customers, we might integrate some new tools for those product marketers. And so it's not solely, I guess, focused um, on our advocacy team, uh, our support team, but kind of covering and supporting a few more other teams within Buffer. I mean, ideally, I'd love to support all the teams of Buffer, you know, build engineering tools for uh, engineers and, you know, our finance team and data and so on. But I think we've been starting small and kind of ramping up. We we know who to reach out to then if we if we need some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I heard is Mick is making all of our internal tools dreams come true now. So <laughs> that's and the goal. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so when when was there must have been a point, I guess, when you when you realized that you you wanted to start engineering? Like has it always been something that's interested you or or did that start when you were at Buffer? Um I guess I've always been like technically minded in the sense that I've, I've always loved like troubleshooting thing when some, something didn't work. I always love to dig in to figure out why, uh, you know, why it was broken, what we could do to fix it. But um, from it, like a coding sense, I'd never really explored engineering before Buffer and um, I had no experience in it. And even like you asked, like when I realized I kind of wanted to move towards that role, I don't think it was ever really like a realization. It was more um, early on within, within my support experience at Buffer you know, maybe within the first few months, I kind of realized that there were things we were doing as a support team to help customers that were, you know, taking a little bit of time, you know, required that maybe four tabs open up in the browser to, to help a, a customer and always felt like, you know, there must be an easier way. And, and that feeling was shared kind of across the team. And the problem was that we never really had like a lot of engineering bandwidth at Buffer to cover like all of the, um, I guess, pain points our support team had and, and, and try and improve that. We definitely had help. Like we have amazing engineers at Buffer who would jump in and help out here and there. But in terms of kind of like larger projects, it was very hard to get stuff prioritized because, you know, we got product engineering teams that have their own, um, you know, milestones and, and deadlines to achieve. And, you know, they want to help everyone. And that's kind of a key thing at Buffer or a common thread. Uh, trend up buffer is that everyone kind of wants to be as available to each other to help as possible but you've only got limited time and bandwidth to get stuff done so um yeah i originally kind of explored data as a way to help my team uh digging into data tools finding customer patterns and trends and building data dashboards that our team could could um use to just i don't know make it easier to support customers but uh I guess what I realized early on is that we could find the trends and the patterns, but, you know, finding them didn't really solve anything. It didn't stop things from occurring. And so that's where I felt engineering could, could bridge that gap. And I guess when I started, it wasn't to become an engineer and kind of fill that uh, gap we were missing in support, but it was more, I wanted to make it easier to prioritize for engineers by knowing how it could be achieved. So I wanted to um, kind of, dig a little bit into the codes to go, oh, I think this is where the issue is. And just so to kind of cut out a lot of the digging and, and, and investigations for engineers and just make it a little bit more easier to say, yes, we can do that. And so that's kind of where it started. And it kind of just escalated from there a little bit. So so it's kind of like, I guess, recognizing a need for it. Like then there was a need for that um, effort to be put in there and you kind of stepped in 
just did it. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I just I just floated the idea to my Dan Lee Todd, um, who yeah, he liked it, and he just happened to be ch- uh, chatting on a call with uh, Katie, who's our VP of Engineering at Buffer at the moment. At the time, I think she was. And like a manager or a lead and he just mentioned it offhand and I think she just got really excited about the idea of someone support wanting to learn about code and she just kind of got the ball rolling from there she hooked me up with another engineer at Buffer to get my local dev set up like the next day and like I barely even I barely even had the opportunity to say yes this is something I want to do or no I want to do it's just like <laughs> oh all of a sudden I'm getting supported with this people want me to do it and I was like oh okay fair enough I'll give it a go that's a can-do attitude right there. That's so many good reflections there too. I mean, you, you make a good point about the data. The data tells a side of the story, but the whole reason we get data is so we can act on it and do something or the opposite to decide, oh, okay, we don't need to act on it. Um, and I'd never really thought about it that way until just now. So that's an interesting way to put it. Um, now, my million dollar question, and I know you get this not only on this podcast, you know this question is coming, but you know outside of work because th- this fascinates me, the how. like how. How on earth did you do this? Because as I've said on um, other podcasts, probably even this one, I tried to teach myself how to code uh, early on in my career around 2010. And, you know, the resources were there. They weren't as bountiful as they are today, um, but they were there. And I just hit this wall where if I would read something like a function or a method in the same paragraph, I didn't know like they meant essentially the same thing. And I'd get so confused. So I hit this point where I knew I needed to go to college to have like that resource of a teacher there to kind of guide me along and, you know, be that outlet to ask questions. So all that to say, it's amazing that you by and large, you know, kind of taught yourself to do this. So I'm just curious, from a high level, how did you even begin to approach it? Like the very first engineering task you had, or the very first part where you decide you want to learn it? how, How did you approach it? Yeah, that's a good one. So I don't think I had like an initial task or even um, expectations from others that I would like go on and do this thing. It was more just, oh, Mick wants to learn how to code. Okay, let's help him get to that point. Um, And I never even really see myself as like self-taught just because of how much support I've gotten from Buffer engineers throughout the whole process that I feel like I've always had someone on hand to ask a question to, to pair with. I've had, you know, access to like so much code has already been written and pull requests and everything that I've been, you know, I've got an abundance of resources kind of where I'm at and that a lot of people wouldn't have starting off with. And that first, I guess, like, let's say, I think it was a Friday when we decided like, oh, okay, we're doing this. So I think I spent that weekend like doing like a PHP tutorial, like following it online to build a password uh, generator. And I remember doing it over the weekend. It was done. I was like, oh, wow, this was great. And I hopped into like Buffer's code on the Monday and kind of in that in that evening. And I was like, oh, wow, this looks nothing like the code I wrote over the weekend. Like, how the hell am I going <laughs> to figure this out? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I figured that maybe the... Uh, like tutorials or or book learning would get me like so far, but um, I think what really sort of drove home the learning for me and what I, I focus on a lot is find something I'm familiar with. So like as as someone working customer support, I'd work in like an inter- internal admin systems, or I'd even know the product really well and um, from helping customers. So find something you recognize and then delete it and see what happens. And that's sort of how I learned was I would find a chunk of code and go, okay, this looks like it's relevant to our admin area, delete a chunk of it, 
see what breaks, and then start piecing it together again to find out, okay, this must be responsible for this bit, this must be responsible for this bit. Um, and that's sort of how I got started, just with, I guess, finding my way around code bases and understanding sort of what different functions do you and how data was pulled in from databases and how, you know, like build our models and, and so on. Um, kind of going beyond that, um, I think once I I'd found my way there and started making like little small tweaks uh, to kind of validate my, my learnings and adding some things to the code, I think our customer support team started to get used to and very appreciative of the fact that I was, you know, changing things that made their lives better. And all of a sudden I'd be getting, you know, maybe a few requests here and there. Hey, can we add something to the, to the admin? Can we add something to uh, um, like help scout, which was our email tool at the time. And all of a sudden they start to become a lot more involved in a sense of like, this is what I do now. Uh, I'm, I'm part of the team as like, a, not necessarily an engineer, but at least some sort of like technical contributor and unblocking our support team and how we did it. But I think the big challenge was that I was doing um, all of this in my spare time. I mean, I was hired in customer support, so that was my role. Um, it was, you know, Monday to, to Friday, just working in the inbox, trying to get you tickets, trying to help customers. So like it was evenings and weekends, I was doing a lot of this and it was, it was tough to put in the time for that. And um, it was tough to uh, like set aside things to skip like events with maybe friends or families and just be like heads down. Oh, I want to learn this. I want to get up to speed. And it sort of, sort of went against me in some ways. And um, I think I went, I think I went too all in with, with diving into the code and learning. I definitely had issues with burnout, needed to, to step away from it for a little bit. And um, I also got so used to doing it in my spare time that when people started expecting it and asking me to do things, it took a while until I thought, hey, maybe I should be doing this in my, you know, regular, regular time now, like my, my nine to five, people are asking me to do things, I should probably have the time and work to do it. And um, so it was tough. There was a lot of learnings, like a lot of things I, I look back on and go, oh, maybe if I had known better, I would have done things differently. But overall, like I'm really happy with how, how things kind of progress. Hmm. I, I guess the line becomes a bit blurred because like if your role, you're working in a support role and then you're doing the code as well, I guess it's like probably easy to slip into that trap of, you know, oh, this is, I don't know, if extracurricular, like this is outside of my work, this is outside of my role. So I can't do this in my work time kind of thing. Yeah, those lines are very blurred to a point. And then even even like I, I didn't switch from support to engineering. It was very gradual. So it'd be like 20% of my role now is engineering, maybe two half days a week and the rest mm -hmm. is support. But, you know, those, those lines are like when to shut off with support and when to start doing engineering. And, you know, particularly if something big comes up like an incident, and I'm like, well, I could probably help out in the engineering side, but I'm needed in the inbox. Like those things were really tough to balance. Um, yeah, and it, it, was, it was. It was like a lot of learning, you know, sometimes maybe didn't judge it right. But I think the key things was sort of like communicating with, you know, my leads and, and, and managers seeking advice, making sure that at least I was doing what was expected of me. And that, you know, yeah. I, sometimes I'd ask if I wasn't sure, you know, hey, should I dig into this issue a little bit or should I help out with the volume in the inbox? And, you know, like, if you're not sure, ask. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny with programming, it is so easy to burn out because you get this initial rush of excitement from building things and gradually learning because, you know, learning programming, it's not really linear. Like you kind of get this and then the next day you have this. It's really up and down, like these big concepts kind of reveal themselves 
like just out of nowhere and then a light bulb flicks on and you get it and then once that happens you want to keep building and keep doing things so when you're in that learning phase and you know you have some tasks that folks are like hey you can do this if you want it kind of doubles up on you a little bit so i could see where <laughs> the, the blurriness comes into play there because it's really hard to shift from one and the other uh and context switching is hard even you know when you're just an engineer like when for example it's time for a meeting but your head's down on this topic uh i really appreciate that you had the mental capacity to figure out how to go from programming to answering support tickets because that context switch is, is is like night and day right it, it couldn't have been easy to figure that out at the beginning yeah definitely it was tough and like i said i didn't always get it right but i think i always had like good good managers giving me good feedback you know maybe if like there would have been times i say a week where maybe my volume was low and like we talk about it we'd see you know what was I two heads down in engineering that week? You know, was was my head maybe somewhere else, you know, thinking about like a, a technical problem rather than just kind of being in the moment and present in the inbox. Um, but yeah, like it, it was definitely like a process. I, I think the hardest part for me was that um, like with the coding and introducing things for our customer advocates, like when you even make the smallest change that, that um, improved their experience for supporting customers, it was such a rush, such a high that it's very hard to switch to something else. Even though helping customers, you still get kind of get get that high, but it's um you're getting it direct, like face to face, like whether you're chatting in Slack, whether you're on a Zoom call, or or just even in the inbox, and you're reaping the benefits of that work yourself as a, as a customer advocate. It's such a high to see that the work that you've been doing and learning is just like out there in the wild and helping people you know, like people you see use it. Um. So yeah, it was that that for me was the hardest thing to like switch off. Is that okay, no, you need to wait. You need to wait, you know, till tomorrow or you know, two days from now until you can start picking this up again and working on it. And um, because once once things started to click and I was starting to to feel like I was making a difference for the team, it was so hard to switch. Even though the other role was just equally, if not more important, because you're helping the customers directly. Um it was such a challenge because it was two very different kinds of rushes. And one thing that like I think about is learning how to code is one thing but like you're working with you know you're working with a whole system and a whole range of technologies like that must have been it's overwhelming maybe or like trying to learn how everything works and how everything fits together whilst also learning how to code yeah i i mean i guess i guess they helped each other too in a way like mm. And I even see this, say this now as an engineer, like I think the support team knows the products we build better than the engineers that built them. Because mm. as we're building them, like we're building for the happy path and then we try to test and, you know, protect against like some known failures. But there's always edge cases that, you know, customers are going to come up against. And it's the support team that hear about them first. It's the support team that collect the data on them. It's the support team that are flagging the bugs. And um, so while I was in the inbox, like I felt I was probably getting a deeper understanding of, at least how the product should function and even how they don't like how the, how, how the bugs materialize than I was when I was looking in the code. But I definitely used that like when I was coding. Like I, I think if I had just um, jumped into the coding without that customer advocacy context or, you know, maybe even moved from like a different role, let's say within marketing uh, at Buffer or finance, I probably would have found it more difficult because I wouldn't have had been exposed to to the product and to you know, pain points and issues and uh, like user experience as I would have been um, in customer support. I think having that exposure, hearing from customers, like customers are the first to say when something's working um, incorrectly or 
you know, to advise and like, Hey, I wish this feature did X, Y, and Z. Like, that's a great opportunity to look in the code and go like, okay, like, why does it do what it does? And, you know, what, what would be the biggest challenge in making it do X, Y, and Z? And I really, I really fed off of like that, that experience of just, just knowing like almost the customer's guiding you through the code in a way, because every ticket can be different. Someone's having an issue, I guess, with buffer, like maybe publishing, updates, someone's having billing, it's always an opportunity to learn a little bit more um, about the product that you're, I guess, supporting as an advocate and then contributing to as an engineer. So for me, yeah, the, the time doing both was great. And even now, like I wish um, as engineers, we spent more time even in the inbox. I know we've done it in the past, uh, kind of company-wide, we've had uh, advocacy days and everyone's jumped in and helped out with customers. I think the learnings engineers and, and everyone else at Buffer gets from that experience of talking face-to-face to customers, of seeing the features we built kind of out in the wild and, and seeing how people are using them. Like you get so much insight into it. You discover so many bugs that maybe you didn't realize. And you have a stronger desire even to jump in because you're talking to someone who's experiencing that bug of a feature you built. And you're like, I don't like this. I want to fix it for them. And you do see a greater drive for <laughs> people jumping on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can get that. I think that's a great point Like about people spending more time in those kind of support positions and, and learning more about the product that way. Um, but I guess, yeah, I, I guess even out whether, whether someone's working in support or working in another um, role where they're not involved in coding, um, there's probably a lot of people who are thinking or, or want to make that similar transition. Would you have any advice for people who are looking to make kind of a, a similar switch or, or a move into this career? Um, regardless from where they're coming from yeah definitely I, I definitely have a few bits of advice just sort of things that either went well or didn't go well and what i've learned from uh, from my time i mean everyone's starting off i guess in different places and i have different circumstances some people might have a lot of bandwidth to, to you know really dive into learning kind of a new skill and some people are probably going to want to do it kind of working alongside a regular job and i think for me and particularly doing it kind of alongside a regular job a big thing was getting the support of those around me outside of work. So, uh, you know, my partner, my family, because it's a big time commitment to learn a new skill and to get to a level where you can pursue it as a career. Like I gave up so many evenings, so many weekends, and just to be heads down and learning code and learning best practices and just trying new things. And like, I probably went way too much in that direction that, you know, like I said, I suffered from burnout. I had to step back for maybe like a month and just not touch a piece of code just to get my bearings again. So like, it, it's definitely a tricky one to balance, but I think I wouldn't have been able to do that if, you know, I had the expectation from those around me outside of work to go like, well, hey, you know, we want to do this X, Y, and Z in the evenings, or, you know, we've got these big events coming up um, on the weekends. I mean, I definitely try to make time for those. And, you know, that even with work, like we're super flexible with, you know, working around life events. But yeah, it's, it's, it's such a huge time commitment that, you know, I definitely recommend discussing it with those who, you know, rely on you outside of your work life and because it will impact them too. And it's, I think it's super important that, um, they, they understand kind of the driving force behind your desire to, to pursue that. Um, outside of that, I think like focusing and actually like learning something for me, I don't think I would have been able to do it if I didn't decide to learn while using something I'm familiar with. 
that's not to say that everyone will have an opportunity, you know, within their job to explore the code base behind it or whatever. Um, but there's a ton of open source projects out there and open source code bases. We even have some at Buffer. And for me, knowing that I was familiar with the product made it easier to learn about the code. And uh, like, I definitely recommend if it's possible for anyone looking to do something similar, you know, have a look at some open source projects out there in the wild, play around with them as a user and experience what it's like, you know, how it works well, what doesn't work well, and then take it as an opportunity to, to learn like how it functions from a code perspective while I don't know, maybe some people are doing a course. Jordan mentioned that he, he needs like to, to go to a course to really drive home some of his learnings. Some people follow tutorial series, but I think having something tangible to do alongside that, like something you just know the ins and out of and what's worked well, like really drives home the learning. For me to be able to see as a product I use day to day, um, oh, this is how it's supposed to work. I'd be able to jump into the code and go, oh, so this is why it does what it does. And it just made it so much easier for it to click in my brain. Um, so they're like the two key things I, I definitely recommend is f find something, find something you care about, like digitally, pref preferably something you have access to from the code. Um, and that's why I recommend open source is because you've got so many resources out there. But yeah, like dive in, get your, get your hands dirty with the code and try, try and break things. I love breaking things and um, not in production, <laughs> of course, but um I love breaking things locally because it just it drives on the understanding of like what it's supposed to be doing, um, and like of course even we've all broken things in production too. And I even I love those moments from like a troubleshooting perspective. It's when we're sort of all all hands on deck and we get to all kind of um, rally together and 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 figure out like, hey, this thing broke. Why did it break? How do we get it back on track? And um, stuff like that is is. I don't know. For me, maybe it's because from a customer support experience where like that's what I was doing. Something was broken. I needed to help the customer fix it. Um, but yeah, I really th like thrive off of that sort of scenario of, yeah, let's break something, figure out why it broke, and then improve it for the next time. Mick, wise words. It sounds like you've been an engineer your entire career. Uh, it's very interesting to hear how you went about it. Great story. Uh, I knew it would be. Um, I think that's where we're going to wrap it here today. Thanks so much for taking time with us, and uh, we will see you all next time. Mick, have a good one. Joe, have a good one. Catch you later. Thank you. Bye.